Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrooks.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from Talk Sport. Hello, football folk. This is the Game Day Premier League preview from Talk Sport. The ultimate preview to every game this weekend with me, Sam Matterface, the Mirrors, Darren Lewis, and Talk Sport transfer guru, Alex Crook. This week, Newcastle. Hands everywhere. Too close. Unfair penalties. Only result? Change the guidelines. Can the Prime Minister explain it? No, us neither. We'll try to explain as the Premier League make the PGMOL pivot. Chelsea still need a bit of advice on defending and now they welcome Palace to the bridge. That should be fine. Palace haven't got much experience of upsetting the odds. Jose upsets everyone and now he plans to ruin another of Ole's days as Tottenham go to Old Trafford. A massive Sunday Funday preview as no fewer than six fixtures take place when you should be in church. Pray for Fulham as they travel to a wounded pack of wolves and there's unlikely to be any sanctuary at Arsenal for the Blades. Also Leicester take on West Ham and Saints look to go marching on at home to West Brom who are still looking for redemption after throwing away a three-goal lead last week. All on the podcast that will deliver ten previews faster than Eric Dyer's toilet stop, it's the Game Day Premier League preview pod from Talk sport. This is game day. And with me, it's TalkSport's Alex Crook. Hello. Hello, how are we? Very good, thank you. And the new assistant editor of The Mirror, Darren Lewis. Congratulations. Are you still allowed to talk to us mere serfs? <laughs> Well, to be honest with you, I demanded a clause in my contract which would allow me to join you guys because you're my family. Oh, <laughs> really? No one believes it. Where, where, where's the suit this week, yourself? Darren? Where's I the suit? I bet you're both thinking to yourself, I wanted to go in hard and now he's just made us melt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you've underdressed though for us after trying to set the standard last week. You're back in your uh, T-shirt and jeans. Now you've got the job, haven't you? Well, you no, know, you guys gave me a pummeling last week, so I thought to myself, I, I wanted to spare myself this week, so I decided to go a little bit more relaxed. Okay. Um, shall we start with handball? The PGMLO, uh, or whatever they're called, the PGMOL and the Premier League have decided to change tack pretty quickly. Uh, beep, beep, beep. Uh, Crook, we were all summoned to an emergency briefing, which was off the record on Zoom yesterday. Um, just give us a quick up as to what they are going to pivot to, because as far as I understand it, they decided in the summer, we're going to be really prescriptive on handball. And then after two weeks, they're like, oh, uh, we don't like this. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, first and foremost, it just shows the power of the Premier League because they held their regular meeting on Tuesday. No sooner had that finished than, as you say, we were we were summoned uh, to this Zoom conference headed by Mike Riley. I don't think that's a secret. And uh, basically, there is a slight tweak um, to the way that the 
handball rule is going to be interpreted. It isn't a change of law, but the phrase I've heard used is a corridor of subjectivity. Basically, it's going to give referees the opportunity to interpret certain handball incidents differently. It, it will mean we're going to see less penalties. Um, it w- <laughs> we were, we, it we, we mean had seen see- about 105 in the first three weeks, so that's probably a good thing. Yeah, I think as a graphic, we were on course to have about 257 by the end of the season, which would have smashed all records. Basically, players' movement is now going to be taken into account, um, i.e. the proximity to the ball when it strikes their arm. Also, this phrase, natural position of their arms by their side. Are they using their arms, as was the case with Victor Lindelof against Crystal Palace uh, in Manchester United's first game, to run? What we do know is that if the arm is above the shoulder, like with the Eric Dyer incident last weekend, which caused so much controversy, that will almost always be a penalty. Yeah. So that isn't going to change. Because no, that's law, and that's been law for two years. So I don't think many of us were surprised by that. Um, but I think the, the key phrase change is expected body position. So, for example, if someone is running and arms come out, that is a normal way of running. You can't avoid that, so they'll be a little bit more tolerant. What it is going to do is going to decrease, Darren, the level of consistency, increase the subjectivity, which means we're not going to get the black and white, it's a penalty, it's not a penalty argument again. We're just going to have to deal with all the rows afterwards as to whether or not we think it's a penalty. So we can all go down the pub and continue to have a chat about it, which we can't do anyway because we're not allowed in. Mm, no, we can't. Certainly not after ten o'clock. Anyway, um, I think the numbers are interesting because if I'm if I'm right, and I might not be, Crook, I know he's a good statistician on these things, but I think there were six penalties for handball awarded um, so far this season, compared to nineteen for the entirety of last season. Yeah, it's along those um, lines. Yeah. Now, at this stage last season, I, I was checking up, and there were no penalties awarded for handball in the no. Premier League, which is quite uh, interesting. And when you talk about the new interpretations, well, in Serie A, I know they had um, <clears throat> they had the new stricter rules last season, and that resulted in fifty penalties um, sorry 60 penalties in Serie A and there were 50 in La Liga so we were on course as you say because of the way that referees were interpreting uh, handball to go even beyond those numbers so it it, it was getting to crisis point it absolutely and I spoke to someone from the LMA on Monday who was saying that they were in intense negotiations because of the solidarity between the managers uh, with all of the stakeholders and so if we had not had a situation this week where common sense prevailed I think the whole thing would have come to quite an ugly head and so we needed to get to this point it's just a shame that we weren't at this point at the start of the season how did we ever get to a place where managers have had listen Steve Bruce did six press conferences uh, six interviews after last week's game where his side pinched a point off Spurs and he Every single one, credit to the Newcastle manager, he showed solidarity with Jose Mourinho because it was a mess. And I hope now that we've got to where we are, we don't see quite the same ugly, unseemly scenes after matches that we've seen so far. Someone did tweet me after I um, put out my tweet about the way that the the law is going to be interpreted now, suggesting that maybe the integrity of this season is already ruined because they've decided to make this amendment 
three games into the campaign for most teams. Where do we stand on that? I think it's a great point because I still can't get my head around the idea that someone somewhere has decided to implement a more prescriptive um, way of judging handball over the summer clearly hasn't communicated the consequences of that to the Premier League clubs or they haven't realised it. After three weeks, everybody's up in arms and going, we don't want this. Can we go back to last year's? Now, if the IFAB, the idea, the reason that they did that, the reason why they started to be more prescriptive with handball is because last year, the PGMOL, the body that looks after referees in the Premier League, were criticised because they were using a different way of interpreting handball. Uh, they were keeping their flags up uh, early, uh, where the people on the continent were, were keeping them down and following the more uh, prescriptive IFAB protocol. It, it's all about following everybody else. So basically, everybody else did it one way. We did it differently. We tried to go in line with them, but we decided we don't like that because it's not good what for our football. What does that sound like? What does that sound like to you, Sam? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we, we thought we could do it better ourselves. Yeah. Uh, anyway, maybe we should move on. <laughs> Basically, Hamble will be slightly mm. better, if not consistent, over the course of the next few weeks. Uh, let's get to the actual football, shall we? Man appeals away into the area and hits it into the bottom right-hand corner for his first Chelsea goal. The more we can work, the more the players can play together and feel each other and and work on the things that we worked on a lot last year but we have to now double down on, then we will improve. A low ball across the face of goal and Ayu is there to slide in the second. A brilliant Crystal Palace goal. It was nice to get off to a good start. Everyone talks about that. I don't get carried away with it and I'm certainly not expecting the players to get carried away with it. Our big lunchtime fixture on TalkSports Game Day this Saturday is Chelsea against Crystal Palace. And bearing in mind that Crystal Palace have a habit of going away to the top six sides and causing an upset, Frank Lampard will be under pressure to get this right, Darren Lewis. Yes, he will, because uh, the stats don't look good for Frank Lampard conceded. Uh, or if I do it in a simpler way, they've kept just one clean sheet in, Premier, in 21 Premier League away games uh, under Lampard. And since the start of last season, Chelsea have conceded more away Premier League goals than any other team. At home, they're a little bit stronger, but they are still very porous at the back and being bundled out of the Carabao Cup increases the pressure on Lampard. Now, you might say that that's quite early and with some justification, it's ridiculously early. Uh, but at the same time, these are fine margins you're dealing with in the race for the top four. And Chelsea just seem to be on a run of games at the moment where they can't get it right. I have confidence that they will. Mendy already looks levels above the keeper as a keeper. Um, not hard. I think, well, no, it's not hard at all. Absolutely. Um, but significantly, I think he, he clearly has a lot of confidence, whereas Kepa's has completely gone. I don't think that Kepa is a bad keeper. And I think eventually, when the spotlight is off him, he may well regain his confidence. But I think at the moment, bringing Mendy in as quickly as they have done gives them a chance. I don't normally necessarily go along with this idea that the whole handball thing has, has wrecked the integrity of the season. It's still extremely early in the campaign. But as far as Chelsea are concerned, they look wonderful going forward. They shot themselves out of trouble last weekend from 3-0 down. If they can get it right at the back, then they'll be serious players this season. But it's just a question of how long that is going to take. Look, 
I suppose if you spoke to Frank Lampard, this is what he would say to you and his team behind the scenes. They would say they'd suffered because the signings hadn't really bedded in, got up to speed before the start of the season. There was trouble with one or two in relation to quarantine. Mendy didn't get over the line until two weeks into the season. Chilwell was injured. Silva wasn't match fit or had to quarantine because he was coming from France and then had to get up to speed with the rest of the team. Um, So after the international break, that's when we will see the real Chelsea. Uh, But can you afford in this Premier League season in the way that the Premier League now works in in that Liverpool have set this this incredibly high standard when you almost have to win every game to win a title and most of your games to get close to challenging for it uh, to to, to say oh we'll wait until after the international break Rook no you can't but did anybody really ever see Chelsea as as title contenders? I didn't. Um, I don't think Ronald they have been title was, contenders. But I, I think they've been prescripted by their their board that they have to get closer mm. to Manchester City and Liverpool this campaign. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm not being. I'll, I'll let you take the floor with this one, crew. But I just think you spend that amount of money in so many different positions, you have to be talking about a team to be competing for the title. I'm sorry, I'm, another top four place with with no signings. And then you make two hundred million pounds plus signings, and you're telling me that you don't expect that team to be competing for the title. Oh, I don't know about that. You say so many different positions that it's all in the forward area, isn't it? By and large, you know, obviously they brought in Chilwell mm, for a lot of money, and and, and T. R. The, the goalkeeper, the goalkeeper almost half. doesn't, the goalkeeper almost doesn't count, does it? But Ronald Koeman <laughs> used to have a saying when he was in charge, because because Kepa basically doesn't exist. Yeah, so, so basically, know. having no, a goalkeeper on, is a massive, on. massive acquisition, then, isn't it? <laughs> it's almost the opposite of what you've just said. Ronald Koeman used to have a saying when he was at Southampton, you can't build a house from the top. You have to build from the bottom, i.e. you have to find defensive solidity first and then introduce your flair players. Obviously, Frank Lampard, whatever you say about Chilwell, the goalkeeper, 78-year-old Thiago, they've done it the other way around. The bulk of their cash has been spent on attacking players. They want to be the Harlem Globetrotters. And as a result, they're suffering defensively. And I don't see the defensive signings that they've made are going to make a huge amount of difference. Yes, Chilwell is an upgrade on Alonso. The jury on Thiago is still out for me. I think he's a fantastic character. He's been there and seen it. But he's too old to try and make his Premier League bow. We saw, it, it draws comparisons when Manchester United signed Laurent Blanc when he was past his prime. That was pretty much a disaster and Fergie's gone on to admit as such. I see similarities. They need another central defender. I think they need Declan Rice. I think Declan Rice is integral to the whole plan that Frank Lampard has put in place and I don't think now as we sit here what four days before the transfer window closes I don't see that deal getting done and I think that's a problem for Frank Lampard I think without Declan Rice without a you know a a proven central defender they are going to concede goals and I'm not sure in the modern Premier League that trying to outscore the opposition is a recipe for success. Um, we need to move to Crystal Palace because we haven't really spoken about them and they'll play a big part in this. They've got a fantastic record away at the top six clubs. In the last five years, only Manchester City have a better record uh, against the big, big six than Crystal Palace and they've already gone to Manchester United and won uh, quite well and they played very well in that game. Palace have developed again in terms of an attacking sense, Darren, because they've got Eberichi Eze amongst others who give them a little bit more of something in attack. And the idea of playing Wilf Sahar just infield alongside Andre Ayew gives them potency in the final third. Mm, yeah, well, Roy Hodgson's got a, an old saying, goalkeepers don't count. Sorry, that was a different gag. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not goalkeepers, just Kepa. <laughs> um, Crystal Palace are a side which, ironically, for all the joking 
that are exactly as Kuman says, built from the back. Uh, they have a very strong defensive east-offs and it gives the um, players in the other two-thirds of the pitch the, the freedom to go and play and express themselves. And um, that's exactly what they do when they come up against the top sides. And it's quite something that without so many of their defensive players uh, who have been injured and, and whatever else, they've been able to pull off the results and start the season that the way that they have. Um I think against the poorest Chelsea side that are still so fragile defensively, they've got every chance of getting a result. I think it's going to be a tough one for Chelsea live on TalkSport at 12.30 this Saturday lunchtime. Right, off to Old Trafford. Bad banter alert. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's reaction to Brighton hitting the woodwork five times was to say, good job Jose wasn't here because he would have had smaller goals. It doesn't really work, does it? Because smaller goals means less chance of scoring and by hitting the woodwork, Brighton evidently needed bigger goals. And then Jose Mourinho's retort was, I think for him, the dimension of the goalposts are not important. For him, what is important is the dimensions of the 18-yard box. He'd never accept to play with a 17-yard box. I think he would prefer a 22-yard box. For him, it would be better. Wow, there's a host of BBC Two panel shows queuing up for that sort of comedy. Uh, quick, who's their booking agent? Well, the football hopefully will be more entertaining at the weekend, but not if Wednesday night was anything to go by down at Brighton for Manchester United. Uh, I've got a sneaky feeling that Tottenham might actually cause Manchester United a few problems, Alex Crook. Yeah, probably. Um, On the basis that Jose Mourinho is more tactically astute than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, he will have picked the obvious weaknesses in Manchester United's team and will do his best to exploit them. Um, I think there were some positives from Wednesday night. Henderson, again, making a big save. He must be seriously knocking on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's door now. Yeah. And I was really impressed with Eric Bailly and with the way that United have defended or not defended in the opening couple of games of the season. I think he must be pushing for the chance to start alongside Harry Maguire in place of the error-prone Lindelof. I spoke to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and asked him that question. Did Eric Bailly's performances in the last two cup games force his hand into putting him into the team? And he said, you know what? You have to be in a situation where players who are playing well do get those opportunities. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if he played on Sunday against Tottenham Hotspur. Um, How many problems will Harry Kane dropping slightly deeper and creating uh, opportunities for Tottenham cause Manchester United grief? Because they will miss Son, if indeed he is missing. You can never quite tell with Jose Mourinho. Um, But um, Kane's role has changed, hasn't it, Darren? He's set up five goals in his last two Premier League uh, games and that equals his uh, assist tally from the previous 54 league matches Mm. Uh, and seven back in uh, 2016-17 is the most that he has set up in a Premier League season. So not only can he take goals, but he can make goals as well. And that is going to make it quite intriguing when Bale is available because it gives Jose Mourinho's options in terms of the way he wants to play. There is some suggestion that he is going to get a striker, Carlos Vinicius, on loan, a deal being done for him and should come to fruition within the next couple of days. Got a very good goals and assists record last season. And he'll be a player that we'll probably be talking about and hearing about a lot more over the coming days and weeks. But I think as far as Spurs are concerned, they are so good going forward and uh, United so porous at the back. Do you know what? I think they'll play with more confidence than they played with in that game just after the lockdown. Bergvine scored. 
United's defence were led and footed. But I still think Spurs showed United too much respect on that day. I don't think it will be the case on the, on this occasion. I think they'll go out there to to take advantage of the defensive frailties in that United back four. Well, that is a, an issue, isn't it? Because Spurs missed key chances at the weekend to put the game against Newcastle to bed, spurning too many clear-cut chances, especially in the second half, and then got done by that that penalty right at the end. Whereas United were actually lucky to get all three points down at Brighton Crook. Yeah, and Solskjaer keeps trotting out the line that they're behind other teams and, that, and they need to work on their fitness. Well, Manchester City finished their last season almost exactly the same time as Manchester United and they've not shown too much sign of sluggishness or tiredness so you have to wonder what Solskjaer they weren't particularly great last Sunday were they so I mean you know it's interesting that they Chelsea Wolverhampton Wanderers Manchester City have all suffered in games so far this campaign I don't think Manchester City was sluggish against Leicester. I think they were just terrible defensively, to be honest, um, as United have been. But yeah, I, I, I take your point on board. Listen, they need to be fit and they need to be fired up because the one thing we know about a Jose Mourinho team is that he will have them running. You know, they are going to be pumped up for this game. It's it's his return to Old Trafford, albeit an empty Old Trafford. He would love to put one over Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Clearly, there's no love loss between the two managers. The fact that they've both had a little pot shot at each other, you know, even before their midweek cup matches let alone this game at the weekend I think it's going to be intriguing the Kane conundrum is an interesting one because I would imagine that possibly Nemanja Matic will get the nod this weekend to try and negate that threat and, and try and almost do a man marking job on Harry Kane if he does drop into that number 10 role so it's going to be an interesting tactical battle I expect goals I could probably see a scoring draw, actually, in all honesty. Um, Spurs have scored 10 goals in their last three away games that's pretty impressive when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Three minutes to play, and Bamford has surely come up with the winning goal for Leeds United. With our intensity and our aggressiveness, uh, we're able to, to make it difficult for teams. It doesn't really matter who the opponent is, we can make it difficult for them. Ball turned over by Manchester City. De Bruyne pulls it back. Mahrez, simple tap in 2 0. Still, we are away a little bit far from our best but step by step when we'll have all the squad we'll get better 
Pep versus Bielsa. Devotee versus Mentor. This could be 8-7. The open aggression uh, that both teams play with. Uh, both teams have scored in each of City's last five matches. Can Patrick Bamford add to his 3-3? Three and three? Uh, yes, absolutely yes. I think as far as his confidence is concerned, he is sky high. I've talked about him here on the podcast uh, over the last couple of weeks, actually, because I'm really pleased for him that he is uh, sticking one in the eye of all the people who said that maybe they need another striker because he's not good enough for the top division. Well, uh, he is scoring against high-caliber opposition and that City defence is all over the place. So I think there has never been a better time to play against City. Mm. Uh, Jesus is no Aguero. In midfield, they clearly have that class, obviously, of Sterling and De Bruyne and all of those goal-getters who can make stuff happen out of nowhere. But at the back, they are there for the taking. They still don't have that organisation yet. It's a lot to put on Diaz's toes to say that he's now got to come in there and sort out all the problems that they once had. Although they've got a world-class keeper, the players in front of him don't give him enough protection. And I think if Leeds go there with the attitude that they went to Liverpool with, there are going to be goals and they could get something out of the match. Yes, Allen Road is the venue 5.30 on Saturday night. Manchester City's defensive flaws did come back into focus, as Darren says, on Sunday with that defeat to Leicester City. Six goals conceded in two Premier League games so far. But here's the caveat. Emmerich Laporte was back at the heart of the defence against Burnley and surprise, surprise in midweek in the Carabao Cup. They kept a clean sheet. And with Ruben Diaz coming in, Crook, will we actually see those holes beginning to be plugged now? I think so. I think if they can, can keep Laporte fit for any prolonged spell of time, then, then clearly that's going to make a massive difference because he is their best out-and-out defender. Uh, Diaz, by all accounts, is going to be a, a really exciting signing and a, a genuine uh, world-class talent. You know I'm a big fan of, of Nathan Ake. I, I think the defensive unit now lends itself to a back three, whether... Uh, Diash will be ready to go straight in this weekend is is open to interpretation but I watched Leeds I commentated the game for TalkSport International against Sheffield United I was uber impressed with um, Harris in particular on the left hand side his delivery the re- the way that he runs at, at full backs and re- he really epitomises this Leeds team under Bielsa the fearlessness that he showed in that game and that they will show against Manchester City so questions are going to be asked of Manchester City defensively of that there is no question I think Robin Cock is probably still adjusting to English football so Manchester City could get some joy there I like Cleek in midfield as well and, and Bamford it's just playing with so much confidence at this moment in time. Even when he missed chances that he did against Sheffield United, he still believes in himself and backs himself to put one in the back of the net. I think there will be goals. And like Darren, it wouldn't shock me at all if Bielsa could get something from this game. And if he does, puts a lot of pressure already on Pep Guardiola. We talk about Frank Lampard, but you look yeah. at their flop in the Champions League, that hammering at home to Leicester. He spent £400 million, Pep Guardiola, just on defenders. I don't think he necessarily gets the level of criticism that he deserves. Uh, Just to point out, and this is important, uh, Jack Harrison isn't available this weekend because Jack Harrison is on loan from Manchester City and he has been on loan from Manchester City for the last three years. Weirdly, he, um, despite the fact that he's played more games for uh, Leeds United and probably has played more games for Leeds United than he will ever play for Manchester City, um, he still belongs to the club from the Etihad, so won't play this weekend. Right, uh, let's look at the latest transfer tittle tattle. 
Okay, let's open Crookie's contacts book and find out what's happening in relation to transfers. Uh, we'll talk about the hours ticking away in just a second for Arsenal. But first of all, talk to us about Manchester United. I'm just going to get the kids' bingo machine and roll it around and take a number. Oh, number 16. Let's go down my list. Oh, that's Edison Cavani. Because I'm pretty sure that's how Ed Woodward is conducting Manchester United's transfer business at this moment in time. Do your kids not have PlayStations? Are they sort of growing up in the 1960s? (laughs) (laughs) I like to keep it real. They're only allowed one hour a week on the PlayStation. Um, But Gary Neville hit the nail on the head on Twitter yesterday. Manchester United's transfer business or lack of is an absolute disgrace they've got even fewer excuses this year than in previous campaigns because we've had this extended window and apart from Donny van der Beek they still haven't been able to get any deals over the line they're haggling over a couple of million pounds it seems for Alex Telesh over in Porto they're messing about with Jadon Sancho even if they make the offer that Borussia Dortmund want now I think they're so annoyed with Manchester United's approach this transfer but they still won't sell so they're looking at an alternative list Usman Dambele on loan he's not particularly keen is my understanding to come on loan having already turned down the chance to join Liverpool I mentioned Cavani who is on a free transfer but would be going against everything that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer represents really in terms of recruitment it'd be a throwback to a Sanchez type signing so I don't see that one happening Luka Jovic on loan has been mentioned as well Joshua King is still knocking about I haven't got a clue where they're going to sign I'm not completely convinced Ed Woodward knows either um, okay. <laughs> he's right though Sam you know look they can't defend and yet 51 days too late they make a bid sorry 50 days too late they make a bid for Jaden Sancho which is below the amount that Dortmund have said they want there's an arrogance not, about Manchester you know, United we said this, how many times we said this I, I think I told you in August that when I was in Germany it's not going to happen it's not going to happen for this reason they gave you the opportunity they said to you yes. this is the amount this is the time frame we're a big club we like to operate in this way if you want him you can have him but you have to pay this by here and they didn't do it and that's finished now and that's done as far as Borussia Dortmund a Champions League winning club who have recently more recently been in a Champions League final than Manchester United are concerned that's the deal over crack on 100% uh, what about our hour? Well, the hours are ticking by on this one. The Leon president came out on Wednesday evening um, having signed what appears to be our replacement and said we could still lose a couple of players. However, we're not going to sell anybody after we name our squad for Marseille on Friday night. So that's a message to Arsenal. Look, he's available. Offer us the money that you want. But again, like Borussia Dortmund, they've set a deadline. You have to do it by Friday night. I think this is a deal that Mikel Arteta is desperate to get done. He's the player that he believes can be the final piece in the Arsenal jigsaw. They need to offload players, though, to raise the funds. I think Saeed Kalazanac could well be off to Bayer Leverkusen. There's still talk of Torreira to Atletico Madrid. Mustafi is wanted by a couple of clubs in Italy. They really need to start shipping people out in order to get this hour deal over the line. I think you missed an opportunity there when you said, however, you could have gone, however... And it would have been in keeping with the with the whole theme of the the little segment. Um, I don't think it's the final piece of the Arsenal jigsaw. I don't know about you, no, Darren. I, I think it's more a sort of building block on the way to designing a team that in two or three years might be at the level that Mikel Arteta wants. That's certainly the sense I get from him when I speak to him. I agree. I think that they also need a defensive midfielder. Thomas Partey would be the one if they obviously manage to offload other players. I still do think they might need 
another defender, but certainly in terms of Alwa, he's an outstanding footballer. Pep Guardiola has been a, a, a huge admirer over the last couple of seasons. If Arsenal were to get him, that would be a sign of their resurgent ambition. And I think you have to then even more cement them as contenders for the top four. A quick word on a West Ham defender and Rian Brewster as well. Is he actually going to move in this window? I think he might, you know. Um, Sheffield United increasingly confident at getting this deal done. Obviously, Crystal Palace walked away because they weren't happy to agree a buyback with Liverpool. Probably shows how highly Jurgen Klopp rates this player, but just can't find a role for him in his star-studded attack at the moment. £17 million is the fee that has been mentioned to me. I think that would be a good signing for Chris Wilder because they're desperately short of goals. They need strengthening at both ends because, of course, they've lost Jack O'Connell to a long-term knee injury and they've joined Fulham in the race for Terence Congolo. Didn't exactly pull up too many trees when he was with uh, Huddersfield in the Premier League, but he is their record signing, £17.5 million. The other name that I've heard, and this is an interesting one because he would suit the way that Sheffield United like to play out from the back, is Diego Rico um, down at Bournemouth. And I think he probably would be open to the move. In terms of West Ham, uh, this one was breaking late on Wednesday night as well. Uh, they are signing the Slavia Prague uh, right back, a former teammate of Thomas Suchek, Vladimir Kufel. £5.4 million is the fee. That was announced on Twitter uh, by the Slavia Prague president. It's a position that David Moyes has been looking to strengthen all summer. Clearly, he doesn't necessarily have faith in, in Ryan Fredericks. And well, if Kufel can come in and have the impact that Suchek has had, then he will be a very good signing. A very good word on this. I think David Moyes' buying has quietly been excellent. Yeah. And it highlights, A, the way that English players are overpriced, uh, sorry, British players are overpriced because uh, obviously Burnley were demanding somewhere around 40, 50 million pounds for Tarkovsky. Fine player, but, uh, you know, when you're talking about those men, you're talking about the biggest clubs in the country and he's gone and got a right back for £5.4 million. And I think Bowen, Suchek, uh, uh, both being great players, the president that uh, Crook's been talking about described this right back as a warrior and, and says he goes with his blessing. He's been outstanding for, for, for Slavia. He thinks he'll be outstanding in the Premier League. And I think that he will impress more than a few people this season. And that's the kind of player that David Moyes is signing for, for West Ham United. Characters that will fight for the cause. And we've seen that with Bowen and Suchek already. The other th key thing to point out is that David Sullivan has revealed in the last sort of three or four uh, weeks that, that that David Moyes decides on the players now. You know he he's the mm. one who provides the list to the the board and says go and get me this this player. And I think that is a it's a change in tact because they had a director of football under uh, Manuel Pellegrini who worked together and you know it didn't quite work. And then mm. before that, I think there was sort of like a situation where someone sat with a laptop and uh, decided oh he looks good on Championship Manager we'll have him. But now the <laughs> recruitment is just a little bit better. OK, it's time for the Roulette Rivalry. It's where we show our expertise by previewing a game off the top of our heads with just 45 seconds on the clock. Producer Lucy is here to dish out our games. Hello, Lucy. Hello, you're all right. Lucy, what have you got for us today then? OK, let's kick it off with Alex Crook. Oh, can you give him one that doesn't involve one of his actual clubs where he's constantly <laughs> a visitor? 
Um, I need to admit something, actually. You don't know the crook list. Crook last, last week was being a bit grumpy with me, so I didn't actually pick it at random. I just picked one that I knew he'd struggle with. Oh, when, right. when was I being grumpy with you? Well, that's interesting that he was grumpy with you last week because he's been a bit of a diva, hasn't he, recently? He, uh, he, he You're going to say something else. <laughs> he, didn't like the, uh, he didn't like the wording of a tweet that I sent and asked me to take it down last week. It was like dealing with a, a, a precious Premier League club at one stage. It must be because he's got his own show now and he's now the talk sport transfer guru I mean you look at Darren Lewis and the way he's reacted to being the assistant editor of uh, the mirror and the sort of humbleness that he's retained and then you look at the diva spirit that seems to be emanating from the boisterous Alex Crook I'm slightly worried that his head might be getting even bigger Lucy I think you're absolutely right to uh, to call him out on it the Sunday he requested a peppermint tea. If oh, that he's changed, I don't know what does. Oh, that was dear. to protect my voice. Now that is the that is the hyper sign of pretension. That isn't it? <laughs> right, let's crack on. Okay. So we'll give you Newcastle v Burnley. Yeah. Oh, for God's sake! And your time starts now. <laughs> I mean, this is just about the dullest game of the weekend, if not the Premier League so far. Live on TalkSport uh, too. My wife's just walked into the room, actually. She's probably <laughs> be better set to preview this than me. Um, Newcastle, for all the excitement and furore about their opening weekend, they've just stopped creating chances, haven't they? They're one shot on target against Tottenham. Barely any shots on target in 90 minutes against Newport County. Scraped through that. So once again, we're seeing why Newcastle fans are perhaps so disillusioned with Steve Bruce. Burnley... They've had a really poor transfer window and I think, you know, Sean Dyche was talking about walking away at the end of last season. He might just wish he he had walked away because he's not really been backed by the board. Obviously, they projected bids for Tarkovsky. Where is his head going to be at? Because I think he was keen to move to Leicester and help his England chances. Um, next game, before you get yourself in more trouble. We'll have you, Sam. Yeah, I don't, I don't like going last. And we'll give you... Southampton v West Brom. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, Southampton versus West Brom is live on Sunday, midday, on TalkSport 2. And it should be an interesting game, mainly because Southampton, who looked a little bit iffy at the start of the season, defended really well. Yannick Vestergaard and Jan Bednarek did well. It was against Burnley, to be fair, but they didn't do too badly in that game. And I think Harsen Hooter was delighted with that victory away from home. Danny Ings on the score sheet again. Um, three goal, uh, three matches, I think, uh, for West Bromwich Albion and it's involved something like 16 goals talk about entertainment um, but defensively they are so generous and if you are going to be that generous then you're going to gift opportunities to someone like Danny Ings who I'm sure will take advantage of it uh, Southampton's start to the season might have been slow but I oh. think it'll get into gear this weekend what does that mean for Lewis Darren, you have Everton v Brighton, and your time starts now. Uh, well, for once, I'm going to go uh, very hard on Everton uh, because I think they're in a tremendous vein of form. It's the first time that Everton have won their first five, well, six fixtures. It, last week, it was the first time in since 1938. And then they've added to that by their with their victory in the Carabao Cup. They're in tremendous form. Dominic Calvert-Lewin just cannot stop scoring. Um, three seasons ago, he scored eight goals. The season after that, he scored eight. Last season, he scored 15 after Ancelotti arrived to change his game. And Ancelotti looks to have taken his game to another level because with uh, he scored now another three and he is just so hot. I cannot see Brighton keeping him out. The one thing oh. that does give... 
Brighton are chances that Everton are poor in set pieces. Oh, he thinks that now he's the assistant editor, he can go on for as long as he likes. Oh, Stop doesn't count if he, if he starts speaking as fast as John Barnes. Yeah. In there. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, you went over the... You, you carried on your sentence. Who's you? So after did I, you had I mean, finished. I don't know. Anyway, you I did. just got distracted when you said another level. I started thinking about Dame Bowers and Freak Me uh, from 1998. <laughs> <laughs> Press the red button if you'd like to hear more. <laughs> Man appeals away into the area and hits it into the bottom right hand first Chelsea goal a low ball across the face of goal and Ayu is there to slide in the second a brilliant Crystal Palace goal ball turned over by Manchester City De Bruyne pulls it back Mares simple tap in 2-0 three minutes to play and Bamford has surely come up with the winning goal for Leeds United Shelby fires it oh what a goal John Joe Shelby responds for Newcastle what a goal that is for Burnley overhead kick inside the penalty area and it's Chris Wood really good goal by Mikel Antonio and just a glimmer of hope for West Ham United. It was an instant finish by Ings and this goal does stand and Southampton lead. It's Robertson again going through on goal and he drives it low beyond Caballero and West Bromwich Albion lead. Football done properly, game day starts and it's live and exclusive and it's only on TalkSport. Sunday Funday brings us four games. Aston Villa versus Liverpool, Arsenal versus Sheffield United, Wolves against Fulham, Leicester against West Ham as well. Plus the, the games we've already mentioned, like Southampton against West Bromwich Albion. What a fantastic day it's going to be. Uh, on TalkSport at midday, we've got Leicester against West Ham United. I mentioned that Southampton West Brom is also on TalkSport 2 at the same time. And the Sunday session from 2 o'clock with Andy Cole will reflect on absolutely everything. And then, uh, of course, the Darren Bent boot room with Alex Crook winding people up from 6 o'clock. We've got an extension this week as well, until 9.30, I hear. Yeah, um, we must be doing something right. Yeah. Um, Arsenal versus Sheffield United is Sunday at 2 o'clock. Three games, three defeats and no goals for Sheffield United so far. A run like that didn't happen last season at all, Darren. Uh, They've been unlucky with decisions though, haven't they? How do they make their own luck at Arsenal? Just could believe, uh, keep believing in what they've done so far. They were uh, one of the finest exponents in in recent seasons of that three-five-two formation that many people thought would be undone in the Premier League. But they've kept their confidence and they've uh, really stayed uh, together as a unit. I think that there's every chance that they could go to Arsenal and get a result because all the pressure is on Arsenal. Uh, they've been playing so well so far this season. They've got obviously a fabulous front line, but. Uh, they are. They can still gift you a chance. West Ham showed that. If you believe, you can go there and rattle them. And if uh, Sheffield United have that belief, they could well get a point. No, they can't. Yeah, they could. I love the way he's so bold now. He's just. He's got this sort of like uh, I'm right attitude. Um, <laughs> Um, Ampadu, Basham and Robinson uh, are in their infancy as a three at the back Ampadu um, cracking player driving out with the ball I think if you give him time he's going to be a very useful player I'm actually surprised and I can only think that this is because he hasn't played that much football in the last 18 months he didn't get too many games at Leipzig over the course of uh, his loan spell there that Chelsea have decided that he's better off going out to play football on a regular basis than he is 
dipping in and out of the defence because ultimately he is going to be a cracking little player. Yeah, and he had a decent enough debut against Leeds, actually. As you say, that um, defence hasn't been together very long, so clearly they're still learning how to be a partnership. I think the fact that Sheffield United are persisting um, with how they played last season is, is both a credit and a detriment, actually, to Chris Wilder because I do think second season syndrome, I think teams have worked them out now. Sheffield United's season will turn here. They weren't great post-lockdown. I think the adrenaline of being a newly promoted club carried them a long way last season. I've not been particularly impressed with the signings Ampadu apart. They have made. I think it's already going to be a long, hard season for the Blades. Arsenal weren't that bad on Monday, were they? I mean, especially in the second half, Darren. First uh, half, they were a little bit wobbly, but (laughs) Liverpool were absolutely terrific in that match. I thought Liverpool played really, really well. Um, And Arsenal aren't going to come up against that level of quality every week. And you're seeing the signs of Arsenal becoming a team ever since Arteta actually has taken over, that are going to compete higher up the table this season. 100%. I don't think uh, the, the manner of Liverpool's victory reflects badly on Arsenal at all. Arsenal are a side of grafters, they're disciplined, they're focused, and they are an, a different side to the shambles that they were under Unai Emery. I think that this is a match between two sides that are grafters. I still think that Sheffield United were unlucky, but I think Arsenal have that cutting edge that can put any side bar Liverpool at the moment to the sword and so I think they'll score but I think that Sheffield United might find a way to take a point I think every weekend there is one match that we're always talking about us in the print media on Monday morning of course last weekend there were a couple um, including that Matt City Leicester game but I think this might be one of them on Monday morning you know I think this might surprise a few people Um, Merseyside police located at Bamiyang yet what after the Liverpool game. I just said you can't judge Aubameyang against the, the most consistent side over the last three seasons. You've if got you're on to that go- money though you need to turn up in the big games and he didn't. Oh, come on, he's one of their record breaking strikers. You don't necessarily need to turn up in the big games, you just need to be consistent and he has been consistent since he arrived what uh, two years ago, 18, yeah nearly two years ago. I'm just checking through the history, I'm just checking through the history books um uh, scored in FA Cup semi-final big game uh, scored in uh, FA Cup final twice mm, big game uh, Aston you. Villa against Liverpool is 7.15 on Sunday uh, Aston Villa humiliated no last season against Liverpool they actually held their own against them in both their meetings and what a transfer window Dean Smith has had at Aston Villa. Ross Barkley, the latest addition to a group that also includes Bertrand Traore, Ollie Watkins, uh, Emmy Martinez, Matty Cash. That squad now is looking incredibly healthy. And I think there's an argument, maybe Chelsea apart because they've spent such big money, but yet we haven't seen the fruits of, of that spend so far, that actually Dean Smith and Aston Villa have had one of the best transfer windows in the Premier League. I totally agree. I was quite critical of Dean Smith and his signings and the way he set his team up last season. I think had lockdown not come, he may well have found himself out of a job. There was a lot of dissenting Aston Villa fans uh, before the season was interrupted. Do you owe him a bit of an apology? He he turned it around. I knew you'd come for me. He turned it around during that period. And yeah, you have to doff your cap. They've made some fantastic signings. I think Ollie Watkins already has been a great addition. Not you know, necessarily weighed in with goals so far. He did score in the League Cup, but his movement and the way he terrorises defences and Jack Grealish against Fulham, absolutely sensational. Um, if he can keep playing like that, then then Villa will have no problems at all. And I think Barkley's an shoot addition as well. 
what they did in lockdown, which I thought was really impressive, and I think it needs acknowledging, is that they realised quite plainly that the defending was causing them a massive, massive issue. They were conceding far too many goals. So they, they studied videos of other teams and how they defended, in particular settling on Lazio and how Lazio defend from set pieces. And Dean Smith watched it, clipped it up, sent it to all of his defenders. They worked on it as a unit over that period and implemented it. And the the way they defended when they came back from lockdown certainly looks completely different when you compare it to what happened in the first half of the season. And that was a major reason why they ended up staying up. Now they're adding goals to that with Traore, Watkins, um, Barkley, I'm sure, will contribute. Grealish looks slightly freer in, in the way that he's playing and certainly full of beans. So Liverpool might actually find it a little bit difficult to break down uh, an Aston Villa team who have started to fed with a little bit more rigidity, Darren. And uh, Liverpool will win. Oh God, here we go. We've got into this road now where everybody has to make a bold prediction. We've turned into that podcast. No, no, no. Listen, I, I, I'm being slightly facetious. I think you're absolutely right about um, Aston Villa. What they've got is more points of attack. Last season, it was all about can Jack Grealish do this? Can Jack Grealish do that? And there was a hell of a lot of pressure on Grealish's shoulders, which to be fair to him, he did superbly well to live up to. But he could not possibly do it all on his own. So they needed to bring in the goals. Ollie Watkins is definitely going to score goals for them and is going to be a fantastic player this season. But Bertrand Traore as well will bring a touch of class in midfield. And I love the fact that they've signed Ross Barkley. To be fair, that was predicted by some of our colleagues at the Telegraph newspaper um, a, a while back. And it's a wonderful signing for them because I know that West Ham desperately wanted to reunite him with David Moyes and he couldn't do it. But he it, that means that from midfield, they've got goals, craft, creativity, and they will cause problems for teams this season. It's early, but I don't think uh, that Liverpool will be too far away from top spot for most of the campaign. I thought it was an unbelievably good uh, performance against Arsenal. Yeah, and I think they'll continue to, to cause problems. But I do think this might not be as easy as maybe people will look uh, when they're, they're constructing their fantasy teams over the next couple of days. Wolves against Fulham is a two o'clock kickoff on Sunday as well. Three defeats in a row for Wolverhampton Wanderers now Stoke in the Cup, uh, Man City and then West Ham last week. Uh, can we rule out a repeat against Fulham, Alex Crook? Yeah, I think I think Wolves will win this game because Fulham are so bad. One bookmaker has already paid out on them to be relegated three games into a season. That must be a record. Obviously, you had the, the Tony Khan comments on Twitter, which, which I felt was was fair, you know, and a chairman reaching out to his supporters and almost defending their transfer policy. Didn't go down well with Scott Parker, so maybe cracks are already starting to show in that relationship. But I mentioned it before, that back line, Tim Ream, Dennis Adoy, they've been good servants for Fulham, but they're just not Premier League quality and they're being found out now week in, week out. I know they're trying to get uh, reinforcements. Jean-Claire Tadebo, a youngster from Barcelona, could well come in. Again, for me, they need more Premier League experience, so I'm not convinced he will be the answer to their problems. With all due respect to Scott Parker, and I like him a lot, um, who was more accurate in their assessment of the game? Tony Khan and his tweet, Darren Lewis, or Scott Parker when he said, actually, it was a good performance by the lads when they lost 3-0 to Aston Villa? I think the truth is somewhere in between, actually. But what I do think is that Tony Khan should 
not of being coming out speaking. That's the manager's job to assess games and to create the mood among the players and the fan base that sets the tone for the season. If you're upstairs, stay upstairs and leave the job of managing to the manager. The kind of thing that Tony Khan did destabilises football clubs and gives the impression to the outside world that you're not a happy ship. I think Scott Parker's absolutely right to be unhappy and I think Tony Khan should leave the addressing of the supporters to the manager. You remember that when you go down onto the shop floor now that you're assistant editor. You go upstairs, <laughs> you stay upstairs. I don't want you getting involved in the day-to-day business of doing reporting and stuff like that working out headlines uh, Leicester versus West Ham United is live on TalkSport on Sunday at midday a well organised Leicester got the better of Manchester City at the weekend but without their linchpins Suchek, Bowen and Antonio they were picked apart West Ham against Everton that exposes to me the shallowness of the squad we've mentioned about one or two uh, enforcements but it is vital that they keep Suchek, Bowen and Antonio fit Alex yeah, and he didn't make a single sub in, in that cup tie either. I think I'm right in saying, which again shows that he doesn't necessarily have the, the strength and depth that he would want. I think the, I think the problem with West Ham is their first eleven now is performing as a pretty good unit, but against a team like Leicester, who are all energy, love to counter attack, he's going to have to use his bench at some point in the game, and that is a concern for David Moyes because he doesn't necessarily have faith in the likes of Yarmolenko and Lanzini to come on and, and keep the organisation which has now become West Ham's forte. So I think they'll stay in this game for long periods, but I think ultimately Leicester's class and West Ham's lack of options from the bench will tell. That's about it, football friends. Game day is back this Saturday with three live Premier League games on TalkSport and TalkSport 2. We'll be back when you wake up on Monday morning to review all the action with Darren Bent. Please rate and review the show and tell all your friends and subscribe to the game day feed from your podcast provider. We will see you after a weekend of madness. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com. 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.